I'm just a person, a completely sin-bound person. I'm no different than them, um, and, and I want them to see that. So I try to be very transparent with them in the things that go on in my life. And, and, and just as a show, you know what, I'm not going to ask you to, to show your hands. I'll, I'll just ask you to just kind of give a mental nod. But how many of us have felt disconnected from God at some point in our life? You know, it gets to me, um, oh man, this, this holiday season has been like a sucker punch for me. Not necessarily spiritually, but I'm so used to teaching every single Wednesday night. And I'm so used to being there with the kids and doing my study for my lesson and having all that prepared and having my notes and all that stuff, which forces me to really dig deep down into Scripture. I'm so used to that that, like, Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff fell right on a Wednesday. So we didn't have service on Wednesday night for, like, a month. And so I'm starting to go, man, i gotta, I got to do something to reconnect because I'm starting to feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like there's a gap that's starting to get there. And guys, that gap happens a lot in our life. Not necessarily when we just don't go to church, but when we're dealing with things. When stuff comes up in our life that we're just going, oh, how am I going to get through this? Like, honestly, I'm so stressed out. And mundane, normal people issues start to kind of lengthen out the distance between you and God. And it happens to me, and and I have to pray through it. Because God's honest truth, there was a time in my life when I would have just... Stop worrying about it and gone back to my normal stuff. We can't do that. And that's one of the reasons that I want to teach this this morning is so that we don't get disconnected to the point where we fall back right in our old ways. Okay? So the first point that I want to cover is I'd ask you to remember that you're chains so that you can remain humble. Okay? That's the first primary reason that we need to remember the bondage of sin. Now, I told Pastor Stan, I'd, I'd spoken with some of my friends this week, that this might be a little bit of a toe stomper. And if it gets uncomfortable, I apologize. It probably should be. Because it's uncomfortable for me to, to teach, okay? Because I have been this guy. But we live in a society today where Christians have built a wall in between them and everybody else. And we say, this is our city. And if you don't believe the way we believe, if you don't believe in Jesus, if, you, if you're homosexual, if you're a drug addict, you can't come in our city. Our city is clean of that kind of stuff. You can't come in here. And that is so far-fetched. Like, it is so ridiculously opposite of the truth. But that's the way we think. And, and I was talking with my students the other night because, honestly, this whole Phil Robertson thing with, you know, him speaking his mind, who I adore and respect, by the way. I love Duck Dynasty. I love what those people stand for. Jace is actually one of my personal um, people that I look up to in my life because he's just got a phenomenal testimony. But, but Phil Robertson said the things that he said, and then this whole controversy starts, and the entire nation goes into uproar because he made a statement out of the Bible. But honestly, guys, a lot of Christians think that World War III is going to start because of homosexuality. Like, you know, everybody's going on about the zombie apocalypse. I swear some Christians think that it's going to be like the homosexual apocalypse that starts everything. And that's funny, but I want you guys to think about the truth because it's a really big topic today in society. And a lot of Christians want to draw a line in the sand and say, if you're homosexual, you have to stand over there. You can't be over here. You can't be with me. I'm not going to interact with you. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I've been that Christian. I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm trying to be transparent. I have been that guy. And that's not what God's about. It's not what Jesus is about. That's not what it means to be a child of God. You know, it's funny because in the culture that surrounds our young people today, and it surrounds us too, but I constantly teach against it with our young people. The culture that surrounds us today is so dark that they make you think that 
that if you accept those things, if you, if you accept people that are homosexual or that have drug problems or that maybe cut themselves because they have problems at home and they don't know how else to deal with it, if you accept those kind of people, then you're obviously not a Christian. Because those kind of people can't be Christians. Those people can't be saved. Those people cannot. There's no way that those people can come into the church and, and, and not burst into flames. Okay? That's what a lot of Christians think. But guys, those people are forgetting their chains. They're forgetting where they stood, whether it be days ago, months ago, weeks ago, years ago, however long ago it was. They've completely forgotten the hold that sin had over their life. We do it on a normal basis. We truly and honestly do. And guys, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I'm not guilty of it because I've done it too. We all have. But this is something that that is so dangerous to us because that moment when we stop remembering what it is that Jesus stepped in and did in our life, what he came in and saved us from, and we start passing judgment on somebody else because they're not like us and they don't believe the way we believe. Guys, I'm not condoning that stuff. I'm not saying they're going to make it to the throne if that stuff keeps up in their life, but I am telling you that there's a man named Jesus Christ who's capable of saving them from that stuff, and it's not going to get any better if we don't show them that man. If we stand back and we draw our line in the sand, then what are we doing to show them the love of Christ? They're not going to figure it out on their own. That's what we're called to do. That's why we're here. And so many people aren't doing it. I want to give you a a beautiful representation of that in Jesus and Luke. If you will, turn to to Luke 7. And I'm going to give you a little background here. And uh, a lot of you guys probably know this story, but Jesus had gone to eat dinner at one of the Pharisees' house. His name was Simon. And this woman, um, you know, I'm not going to make any guesses or plays at what her really immoral lifestyle was, but the Bible says that she had a very immoral lifestyle. And in, in Luke chapter, um, chapter 7, verse 37, it starts and it says, When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, She brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Guys, I want you to just close your eyes for one second and look at that word picture that's painted right there. She she knelt at his feet, weeping. She knew the bondage that she had. She knew about her chains. She saw them. And she was just showing up somewhere to try to get out of it. That, that was her ambition in going there was to hope against hope that she's living this lifestyle that's clearly on a dead-end run. There's nothing coming out of it. Nothing good is happening. Everything's going, to, going down the hill. How many of us have been in that lifestyle? I know I have. Everything's just zipping down the drain, and she's got nowhere left to turn. And she hears about this guy, Jesus. She said, you know what? I'm just going to take this last shot because it's all I got left. So let's listen to what Jesus says. We're going to start in verse 44. It says, Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, and he's speaking to the Pharisee here, he says, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, she didn't, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, and I note that part because it sticks out, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has been shown much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. 
Guys, this is a perfect picture of what it means to be like Christ. But how many times do we drop that ball? I do it all the time, and I know I do. And I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm trying to get better. But see, guys, that's what God's calling us to do is to get better. And the way that we start moving in the right direction is to mentally say, you know, once upon a time I was no better than her. I was no different than her. And guys, it's funny because we think of a guy who tells a lie in court and a guy that murders somebody to be completely different as far as the aspect of, of, of sin and morality. But guys, the truth is that's humanizing it. In God's eyes, it's like I was telling Pastor Stan this morning. If I'm gay or if I have hatred towards gay people in my heart, it's the exact same thing. It's no different. So when we draw that line in the sand and we start persecuting people and judging people after we forget our chains, then we're just one of those people. What's that they say whenever you point, you got four fingers pointing back at you? Or three fingers, I guess, as it were, and a thumb? The fact of the matter is that we're no different than those people, but we like to think we are because we humanize everything. Welcome to America. It's what we do. We got to stop. We got to stop being so American. We got to stop being so human because that's completely opposite of what Jesus taught. That's completely opposite of what this says. And that's the direction we got to go. So the first point that I want you guys to remember is to remain humble. Remember your chains. Remember the bondage of sin so that you can remain humble. So that you don't pass judgment on others. Okay? The second reason that, that we need to remember chains is so that we don't get drawn back. Now, this is a big one. Okay? And, and I want you guys to, to take a minute to think. <laughs> I showed a picture. A lot of you guys may know. But on Wednesday nights with the students, we have an opening time where... I gather a whole bunch of really funny pictures off the internet during the week that are clean and don't have any bad vibes to them, and I show them on Wednesday nights. I just make a slideshow, and the kids get a chance to laugh at it. It's kind of like America's Funniest Home Videos, except with pictures and me narrating, which makes it worse sometimes. But the fact of the matter is we do it. And so I posted this picture last week, and, um, and it was these two guys in hunting outfits, and they were standing there with their guns, knelt down, and they had this huge bear that they had just killed, okay, like gigantic, like this thing was like horror movie huge, it was enormous, and it's like in between them, they're all, you know, excited, and it's a night shot, and when the flash goes off, (laughs) there's another gigantic bear about 15 feet behind them, and it's just walking towards them, (laughs) and you're going, oh, this is about to get ugly, (laughs) it's like, you just killed my brother, so you're about to get mauled, (laughs) Um, but it was really, really kind of ironic, but guys, That bear that's laying there dead, those are our chains. We think we've overcome our sin. We think we've overcome these things that we've been struggling with in our lives. But guys, I got news for you. We're human and that we're never going to overcome sin. We can't. It's physically impossible. It's not going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean stop striving. That doesn't mean stop trying. But it's not going to happen. We're always going to have sin in our life. I remember whenever I... uh, Whenever I was still struggling before I became, long before I became the student pastor here, but I was still struggling in my old lifestyle, and I'm, I'm constantly just hounded. Man, my mom and my dad, they stayed, stayed on me constantly. Brandon, you need to get straightened up. You need to get back in church. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I'm going, yeah, I know, but. And, and I had all these weights that were like hurdles in front of me that I didn't think I could overcome. So I didn't want to get back involved. Because honestly, guys, there's one thing that I stand firmly against, and that's hypocrisy. If I'm going to be involved in a ministry, I'm not going to be out living a lifestyle that's clearly 
non-Christian, okay? That was one line in the sand I did draw and say, I'm not going to do that. Now, you know, I'm not saying I'm a good guy, I'm a perfect guy, no, but not by any means. But, I mean, I was smoking cigarettes constantly, two packs a day. I was drinking on a regular basis. I'm not going to come and try to get involved in a ministry living that lifestyle. I'm not going to do it, okay? And so, you know, you stand back and you look at alcohol and tobacco or maybe drugs or maybe sexual immorality and you look at these things and you say, man, I'm never going to be able to overcome those. And then God starts working with you and one day you do. And then when you overcome those things, then you think you're good. It's like, oh man, I knocked all that junk in my life out. I'm good to go now. You know, all I got to worry about is getting mad and cussing somebody else by accident in traffic. You know, and that's, that's no big deal. God forgives me for that stuff. So we begin to think that we've got a handle on the situation. We begin to think that we've got it taken care of, that sin's not a threat anymore. And that is extremely dangerous thinking. I want to tell you guys a story. I spoke to a lady this week. Um, one of the cool things about my job is that I get to interact with different people all the time. I'm in and out of people's homes, and I'm a people person, as a lot of you guys know. So I usually start talking with customers and kind of warm up to them and find out a little bit about them. And I was speaking to this one particular lady, and she was, you know, I had told her I was a student pastor and that uh, we were really working to try to help grow our church. And so I spoke to this one lady, and she was telling me a story about her son. Her son's in her, his 40s now. And uh, she told me the story about him growing up and accepting Christ at an early age. Um, and he, you know, he was on the right path until he got into his teenage years. And I know this starts off really cliche. But he was on the right path into his teenage years, and then he kind of got messed up on alcohol through some friends and some bad situations. And he became addicted. He had a serious alcoholism problem. And it got worse, and it got worse. And finally, his family reached out to him the right amount of times, and so he decided to go through a program. And he got straightened out. And, uh, and in the program, he, re- he rededicated his life to Christ. And he asked God to come back in and fix things, you know. And so that was great. And, and he got on the right track. He got his kids in church. He got in church. He got his family, you know, involved in a ministry. And for six years, this guy was in the church every single time the door was open. Okay, he was sober, didn't have a sip of alcohol for that long. And then one year, their family took a vacation, and they went on a cruise. And they went on a cruise. He had his first sip of alcohol in six years. Now he's an alcoholic again, and he can't stop. Don't for one second think that you've overcome sin. Don't for one second take the power of those chains away. Because as soon as you start doing that, they're that much more dangerous. There's a, there's a bear in the woods looming right over the top of you about to come and just eat you right up. I've made that mistake a couple times in my life. You know, I was 20 years old. I got married, thought life was good, got involved in another ministry, not this one, but I went to another church, and I got involved in that ministry, and for about five years, man, I was on the mountaintop. I was teaching. I was an assistant student pastor at a huge church with like 110 kids on Wednesday nights. I mean, everything was great. I thought I had overcome everything. And then one day I got up, went to work, came home, and my wife's stuff was gone. Ended up in a divorce right back down the drain. Some people, and I spoke before about making that defining decision when you're faced with those kind of circumstances. You can either choose to let God take care of the situation or you can just blame God for everything and go the opposite direction. I went that way. I'm not proud of it, but I did. So I spent, you know, a few more years struggling, 
had terrible, terrible stuff going on that I just couldn't control. All my old addictions, all my old problems that I had when I was a teenager and in my band, they started rushing back on top of me, and I became very, very depressed. Life was just not fair anymore. And then, man, I can't even tell every person in this room that prayed for me through that entire circumstance how much I thank you. Because Jesus Christ walked back in, and he said, you know what, Brandon? God, you're messed up. Are you done being messed up by yourself? And like I told those kids right here on a Sunday morning, I said, I'm done. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm exhausted from trying to live this way and trying to hide it from people. And all the guilt and shame and the junk that comes with it, I'm exhausted. I can't do this anymore. So I knelt right there. (laughs) I said, God, this is it. I'm done this time. No more backtracking. No more taking the wrong fork in the road. No more of that junk. It's time for you to take over and let's make this better. Because, guys, I've known I was called to ministry since I was 15 years old. And I fought tooth and nail against it for 10 years. 11. 11 years. 12 years. Somewhere in there. I don't even remember. But I'm telling you, I fought hard. Like, no. Because I was scared half to death of what I would have to give up. I was scared half to death to let those chains go. I wasn't ready. So finally, I gave over. And uh, I let God come in and do his thing. And guys, that was two and a half years ago, three years ago, somewhere in there. I wouldn't be standing in this pulpit speaking to you three years ago. I can promise you that right now. You wouldn't have wanted to hear what I had to say. But that's what God can do. Jesus Christ can take somebody broken, just absolutely in the wrong direction, as messed up as they could possibly be, and he can use that broken, messed up. It doesn't mean I'm any less broken. It doesn't mean I'm any less messed up. I'm still very broken and messed up. Ask my wife. She'd be glad to tell you. But the fact of the matter is that God uses me in spite of myself. <laughs> and I can't thank him enough for that. So the point is, it's just that easy to get pulled back into those chains that bound you. And good luck. Harry Houdini and out of it because every single time that sin draws you back in it's that much harder to get straightened out because you're going well I've done this before and it didn't work out what are people going to think I know a guy that I'm very very close to that was involved in this church for a while and he went through a divorce and he will not come back to this church and this is not y'all's fault this is his personal stuff and I've tried to talk him down but he will not come back to this church because he's scared half to death of what people think of him now None of us mind. Heck, I'm your student pastor. You know, if you guys will let me stand on the stage and speak, why would we blame? But he's scared half to death. He's caught up in those chains. So what I would ask for you guys to do is not to forget that sin that had you tied up. Because when you do, you, you, you take away its power and it's that much easier for it to jump right back on top of you. And that's dangerous. The third point that I, want to, uh, that I want to go over with you guys, and this is honestly, truthfully, the number one most important thing, the most important reason to remember your chains. And it's so that others can see God's glory in you. I am a broken person, just like I told you. I'm messed up. I've done a lot of dumb stuff in my life. 
But the fact of the matter is that I finally accepted the call right there. And I said, God, you know what? I'm going to take all this broken, messed up stuff that I've been through that you told me better than, and I still did it, and I'm going to use it for your glory. Because there's a lot of teenagers out there going through the exact same stuff that need to hear that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And God, if that's what I had to go through all this for, I know that wasn't your original plan for me, but obviously Brandon got in Brandon's way and messed everything up. So, hey, let's take what we got left and let's just make it count for something. Are you letting God's glory be seen through you? Past addictions are hard to remember. I know. I've had some really unhealthy addictions in my life. And when I stop and I think back about it, you know, there's some days that... I don't even think about it anymore. It doesn't bother me. No big deal. But they say that when you're addicted to something, you're always addicted to it. You can free yourself from it. You can put it down. But you're never going to be unaddicted to it. There's always going to be that tug. There's always going to be that draw. And it's true. And I fight against it, especially with tobacco, constantly. You know, I, I work in a, a construction-ish type industry. I'm usually on the service end of it. But I work in the construction field with a lot of guys who have a lot of bad habits. And it takes a certain amount of God and willpower to be able to stand against that stuff. And thank God he's given me the strength to do it. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, I am a testament to what God has done in my life. I'm a testament to the fact that God can break addictions. I'm a testament to the fact that, and this is not Brandon Tootin' Brandon's horn. This is Brandon Tootin's God's horn because I didn't do this myself, guys. I didn't put down an addiction by myself. I tried that once, and it did not work. Jesus Christ freed me from those things, and I know that. And I can honestly say that everybody in this room has seen the way God works in your life at one point or another. You may choose not to admit it. You may choose not to acknowledge it, but he's been there, and he's been doing stuff the whole time. So here's my question. At what point do we let... Um, that drug addiction fade away? At what point do we let our worrying fade away? At what point do we let all the problems that we've had in our past filter out 